0: It's 8 pm Tuesday, March the 2nd, 2020, and you're listening to the best possible taste on West Limerick 102 FM.
1: You're listening to the best possible taste with Sharon Noonan.
0: and you're very welcome to tonight's Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and on this evening's programme we pay a visit to Limerick City to meet Gary Hune at Sambro's in Limerick. Janice Casey-Bracken has details about the primary school Food Education Week which takes place in April and chef, author and restaurateur J.P. McMahon tells us about his new cookbook The Irish Cookbook. But before we hear more let me tell you how to get in touch with me here at The Best Possible Taste. You can make contact by email me .nunen at live.ie or you can tweet me at queen of org as in queen of organization or find me on instagram at sharon j nunan so a few weeks ago, food writer Katie McGuinness put a call out on Twitter to find out where the best sandwiches are sold in Ireland. Two of Limerick's best chefs gave their stamp of approval to Sam Brose on Thomas Street in Limerick City. So I popped in a few days ago to meet Gary Hewn to find out more.
1: Bon appétit. Yummy. Grub's up.
0: Delicious. Mmm.
2: My name is Gary Hun and I'm co-owner and head chef of Sambrose Restaurant in 52 Tom Street, Limerick.
0: Well you're a very new business Gary but you've kind of hit the ground running whenever it comes to the the PR side of things because the the business was listed in the Sunday Times as one of the top places in Ireland to go for a sandwich. What has that done for the business?
2: Uh, It's done quite a lot really. Um, Yeah since we got that top 30 you know not gonna lie shout out to Mike Tweedy from the Dead Manor, Wade Murphy, you know, they represented, they have a good representation of Limerick food and stuff like that, and the changing food scene in Limerick, which is absolutely amazing, by the way. And for that, you know, most of all, thanks for the people just coming in and, you know, buying some food here.
0: To get the stamp of approval from chefs like Wade and Michael must be a huge compliment.
2: Yeah, it is, really. Yeah. I was actually taken back, really, to be honest with you. Um, I didn't expect that at all really to be honest with you. I'm just I was just like for me I'm just stuck in the kitchen trying to cook the feed the people in the best food I can really to be quite honest with you. And when I got that kind of, when I cut that got that compliment then I was just like, Well, okay, maybe we are doing something right here now and hopefully it all goes very well for me and my team.
0: Tell me the Bros story. When did you open?
2: We opened 29th of November. So
0: that was 2019. So you're only open like three months, not even three months. Not even three months. And where did the idea come from?
2: Um, it came from I I personally always liked sandwiches, and I've my training would be like fine dining and stuff like that, but I wanted to have the quality of food that you can get in really fine restaurants, but be relatable. To, to, for everybody because not everyone wants to eat a fine dining meal as brilliant as it is not everyone wants to do that so I decided to put everything in between two slices of bread and see how it goes
0: and what you put between those two slices of bread oh. is very important yeah. so in terms of ingredients you're all about sourcing locally in season ingredients
2: I try, I try my best with now to source uh, local ingredients like our meat comes from uh Michael O'Loughlin on Upper William Street. He's a local butcher. He's a local local butcher, a very good butcher by the way, and a very sound man. And um, our fruit and veg come from Limerick Fruit and Veg, so it's a very good supplier as well. And at the moment we use some breads from local artisan bakers and some from La Foods in Dublin.
0: Okay, so you're on the lookout for a good baker, I believe. I am.
2: Any bakers out there, give me a shout.
0: Excellent, excellent. In terms of the menu then, what is the, the best sellers on the menu?
2: The best seller would be probably the Suddenfields. So that would be um, mac and cheese, collard greens. So collard greens would be like American-style cabbage, braised with lots of garlic, onions, rosemary, thyme, a little bit of lemon. Braise it down for like half an hour. And southern fried chicken and buffalo sauce, but what we do, we smoke a lot of our products in-house, so we would smoke that sauce and then put it on top, so it was very nice.
0: That sounds very adventurous.
2: Yeah, I in the beginning, when I first opened, um, I really thought to myself, would people really get the concept and be people, you know, people really take to it? I opened the doors on November 29th, and that was the one thing that surprised me the most. Now, everyone to the menu absolutely amazingly, they love the food, and you know what? I don't care what people say. Limerick people are very adventurous when it comes to the food, and the food scene is only growing and changing day in and day out every day. Have you noticed that there is a, a certain type of person that comes in or is it very mixed? It's very mixed. I I thought, you know, I'd only get like the students or something like that. But I have elderly people come in, I have younger people come in, I have kids coming in, I have the normal 18 to 25 range. So everyone... It's good food. There's no boundaries, you know? Everyone can come and enjoy the food. And
0: it's not just sandwiches that you do. You also are doing coffee. And what yeah. else?
2: We do coffee. We have a, something called a goodies menu. So that's just for, like... It's not, not everyone wants to have a sandwich in here. So you can... You know, we try to cater for everybody. So we have like mac and cheese hot pots and we have like wings and we'd be putting on salads and stuff like that.
0: So you do specials every day? And we day. do.
2: Well, we try to, at the moment, we're in the process of changing our sandwiches. So um, so we're trying to change sandwiches once every couple of weeks just to keep it fresh, keep the people interested. But uh, further down the line, we definitely will be uh, doing more and more specials and Like for Christmas, we did um, the Moist Maker. So that's basically a pop culture sandwich, like from friends. I don't know if you know about it but um, it was the Roskiller sandwich, so he went absolutely crazy. Yeah, so we put that on the menu, and it went out like hotcakes.
0: And his boss only ate half of it. I know, it, I know, they? I know. And that's when they soaked a layer of the bread in the that gravy. Was it, yeah, yeah, that was yeah, it, Yeah, Yeah, no, that sounds fantastic. Now, the, the name of the business is Sambrose. so yeah. is there, are there brothers involved in the business? Who, who is in the business with you?
2: Um, my older brother would be my co-partner. So he would uh, do the technical side so he would be like you know doing all like the computer stuff and like you know all the marketing and stuff like that and also one of the girls that work with me she's very good rachel ryan she's um she's very good at the social media and stuff like that so she really has a lot of input and we all work together as a team to promote the business quick shout out to the team mike aaron rachel brian couldn't do without you lads all my family and most of all the customers and the great people in Limerick.
0: I'm always very interested to find out how relationships go in a business whenever people are related. Do you find it challenging or are there great benefits to it?
2: Um, It can be challenging now and then, but he, my older brother and the team here really do believe in this place, and to be honest with you, I'm so thankful that I tell the lads every day, they don't believe me, all right, but, you know, I tell my uh, chefs, Brian and Mike, that they are the bread and butter of this place. I can't do it all by myself. And As much as I want them, I, I wish I could, I can't do it without them, you know.
0: It sounds like you're very passionate about it. Is this a dream come true for you? Yeah, kind of, because
2: I've always wanted to be a chef, you see. And um, I went to college in Cork and I studied electronic engineering. <laughs> Got my degree, whatever, and, and then I just said to myself, like, I don't think I can actually sit in front of a computer screen for 10, eight, ten hours a day. So I quit all of that on the behest of my parents and um, got shouted out a lot and then washed the dishes and then here I am.
0: <laughs> and of course, people might say, well, that's not a Limerick accent, but you told me earlier you were born in London, but you moved to Limerick whenever you were eight.
2: Yes. Yes. Um, I was born and raised in London until I was eight. And then I moved to Limerick when I was eight and um, I went to Margaret school. And then I went to St Clemens and then I went to college in Cork and then I came, I went back to London to learn, uh, learn how to chef prop, like, you know, really high standard. So that's about it really and then here I am again. But
0: London life didn't do it for you. You were keen to get back to Limerick.
2: Yeah, I love London. Like, you know, I, am a, I love the city. It's such a vibrant city. It's so much culture, so much things going on. But at the end of the day, you know, I missed my family. My parents are here. My friends are here. You know, um, how do I say, like, growing up over here? When you go to sleep, you don't hear anything. But over there, it's just madness all the time, 24/7. There's, there's no rest from it. So I said, you know what, I need to come back here now and, you know, just hang out with my friends and just be part of them. Because I much prefer to live in Limerick now, and I'm so much more happier that when I moved back from Limerick three, three years ago. So for me it's (laughs) home fantastic
0: well listen congratulations on the business and getting the listing in the Sunday Times which is um, no small feat it's always great to get an endorsement like that Mm. and continued success
2: hopefully um, we will go bigger and bigger and bigger and We'll still keep to our roots and, you know, feeding the good people Limerick um, for a decent price. Follow us on um, Instagram, so it's Sambros S-A-M-B-R-O-S underscore L-K. That's it.
0: Fantastic. Thanks so much for talking to me today. Nice. Sure.
1: You're listening to The Best possible Taste with Sharon Noonan.
0: Welcome back to The Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and just before the break we met Gary at the fairly newly opened Sambro's in Limerick City. If you're just tuning in now you might want to catch The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM when it's repeated on Wednesday mornings at 8am. The podcasts are available to listen to on SharonNoonan.com as well as iTunes and the podcast app. Still to come tonight, chef JP McMahon shares details about an Irish cookbook, food on the edge, and what's happening in Tartar in the coming months. Next, though, we're heading over to the phone to put a call into Janice Casey Bracken to find out about the primary school food education week. Bon appetit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Janice you're very welcome to the programme this evening and you're going to tell us about the primary school food education week which is taking place from the 6th until the 10th of April and this is an initiative that you're spearheading.
3: It is yes Um, so as a mother and a chef I find it very hard to understand how food education isn't part of the primary school curriculum. I find that the children becoming disassociated with food, where food comes from, how it's grown, what's actually in season and what is Irish. Um, So we've been campaigning for years and years. J.P. McMahon in Food on the Edge had sent out surveys, had sent out um, things to the government trying to get something done and nobody's listening. So I literally decided to do something myself and um, Jacinta Dalton from GMIT has been very, very good to me. So I took a class from Drogheda, a primary school class, and taught them how to make bread. And they taught us how to sing a song in Irish. And it kind of went from there. And other schools started getting involved. And I put up a tweet asking would anybody else like to help or would anybody else like to do anything. So far we have uh, chefs going out to schools, teaching. We have kids going out to restaurants uh, to see how kitchens run and how they work. We have farmers doing open days. We have agricultural colleges uh, taking kids out for the days to see what they actually do. We have a farmer in West Cork setting up a petting zoo in the school so that the kids can actually interact with animals. And it's just to teach them about their food, where it comes from, how to cook something simple. If they only learn how to make a smoothie or a bowl of soup or a loaf of bread, it's a start. All of the chefs and producers are doing it for free.
0: And you've mentioned a number of big names there like JP McMahon and Jacinta Dalton I would imagine that it's not difficult to get people of that calibre behind an initiative of this type.
3: No, JP has been fighting for this for years. He's a really good ambassador. Like We're, we're blessed to have him in the country. But all of the chefs are coming on board and they're contacting and saying how can we do it? Most of the chefs they have their own children or they have nieces or nephews, and they're sick of the way the country is being run as well. Like, we have so many different things. They're talking about bringing in another language for primary schools. And some kids, like, don't know where their food actually comes from. Like, it's it's so simple that they don't know where ham comes from. Some of them don't know where eggs comes from. And to think about it, it it's kind of frightening. You know, there's a, a local grower here in Wexford, Dan Casey, and he's actually, he grows micro herbs. And he's given us some so that the kids can actually grow them themselves, and, like pea shoots, just so that they can taste the freshness of them, so that they can actually start to grow things. We grow quite a lot at home in our own house. with I have a 14-year-old, 10-year-old. And just to make sure, it's even for their mental health, it's good. They get up every morning in the summer, they have to go out, they have to weed, and they have to pick and, you know, water. It, we need to have that association with food again for the children.
0: Is this an issue for inner-city children more so than children that go to schools out in rural areas? Or is it, um, is it an issue that you find across the board? It doesn't matter where they're going to school, be it in a large town, inner-city or a country school? No,
3: everybody is involved. Like The, uh, the initiative is open to absolutely everybody. We have some schools on board that have a total of, I think it's 42 students in the whole school. And we have other, stu- other schools on board that have like four or five hundred in the school. Like, food education should be open to everybody. It shouldn't be reserved for rural or inner city or dash schools or private schools. Every child has a right to education. Every child should have a right and access to good food, to known food to knowing what they can have, to how to cook. It it shouldn't be reserved for anybody in particular.
0: I know from my own experience as a parent that there is a programme called Food Dudes that my daughter has experienced at her primary school. What is your view of a government initiative like that? Uh,
3: It's a great start, but it's not going far enough. I know my own child, my daughter, um, Participation in food dudes when she was in primary school, she was in secondary school. Now, it was a once-off thing, and they just ate different vegetables. We're never made aware of where the vegetables were growing. So, this our initiative would bring in sustainability as well. You know, seasonality. You know, things that we should be focusing on as well. So my daughter was just, it was like a reward system for trying different fruits and vegetables. Whereas we want to get the children involved, we want to get them active. When I took the kids up to the cookery school and brought them in, like they made the bread, they mixed it with their hands. There was no mixers, just to really get a touch and a feel for it. And their eyes lit up. They had fun. They weren't, it wasn't something that they had to do. They were sent in photographs of books that they'd made with their mothers and their grandmothers and their aunties. They really got involved in it. This is not something where I want kids to go, oh, we have to do this. I want them to have fun, to experience it. Like food creates memories, and that's exactly what I want them to have. Happy memories where cooking or eating is not a chore, it's not laborious it's something that makes them smile, something that makes them happy and creates a memory where they want to do it like other people when they get older or with their own children.
0: I think the Food Dudes Programme is proof that there is funding for food education in schools. I personally was a bit appalled with elements of it um, insofar as now some of the vegetables, they weren't locally sourced, they weren't in season, they were in plastic bags sweating away I mean, I think there's something that could be done with that programme to bring it in line with what you're saying and it it wouldn't have to cost a lot of money to do that.
3: No, I totally believe in exactly everything you've just said. I think that the government went ahead and organised that without actually speaking to parents and professional chefs or food producers. I think what they did was, it was it feels like it was just outsourced to people that when well, I thought they must have known what they were doing. But they weren't watching what was going on in the country. They weren't listening. There was thousands of people signed a petition at Food on the Edge to bring food education into this country, and nothing was done about it. These were industry professionals willing to help, and the government didn't listen again. Now, this is what we're trying to do. It's putting vegetables that don't grow in Ireland into a packet, transporting them the whole way around the world, bringing them in, like, how fresh were those vegetables? Whereas we are trying to say, look, here's here's a leek that was grown by Paddy down the road 10 miles away. You know, this is what we do, this is what we grow.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's a case of non-joined up thinking, which unfortunately we do experience on a daily basis here in Ireland.
3: Yes. Unfortunately, it is Um, like it's not going to take that much money to get it out there. If we can spend money on half of the things that the government is spending money on, why can't we spend it on children? Like this is it it can tackle everything from obesity to mental health. Like it it won't tackle them, but it will help with it. Like, you know, growing some fruit, growing some vegetables, it can give people focus and especially children. It'll get them out, it'll get them active, it'll get them eating right and wanting to, as opposed to saying, no, you can't have that, this. Have you tried this? This is actually really nice. Would you like to do this? And look, this is where it grows, this is where it comes from. It'll give them the mentality when they're going into a supermarket not to buy something for 49 cents that's been shipped halfway around the world.
0: Hopefully. And obviously we're giving them life skills as well. But if you look at the amount of,
3: even we were doing cookery courses for teenagers going to college. And some of the teenagers didn't want to come into the courses. But by the end of the course, they were laughing and joking and, you know, they were really having good fun. But it's because I don't want to learn to cook. Well, we actually sat them down and I was like, look, here's your budget for the week. If you and two of your flatmates, you know, you all cook one or two nights, you can have the leftovers the second night. This is exactly how much it will cost you. And they couldn't believe it. Like, they'll spend 15 or 20 euros on Domino's or Apache or whatever, whereas they can actually have a proper nutritious meal for very, very reasonable amounts if they actually just watch what they're doing. And it's more fun. It's more sociable,
0: hopefully. Now, this is not your day job. Your day job is running the cookery school at the ICA, is that right?
3: It is, yeah. I run the uh, cookery school for the Irish Country Women's Association at Termin in County Louth, and I'm a chef in Dunbrody Country House and Archives town in Wexford as well. i have having two
0: kids and a husband. <laughs> I like to keep myself busy. You do. You clearly do <laughs> like to keep yourself busy. Tell us a bit about the cookery school up in Terman
3: So, the cookery school, we actually have two we have a 60-seater lecture kitchen, and we have a hands-on kitchen as well. It's the hands-on kitchen opened up. A year and a half ago, and it's gone very, very well. So the ICA have a history of teaching and promoting um, women in the industry, in any industry, and women in education. So the whole idea was that we would set it up for um, our ladies, our members. We have over 10,000 members around the country. And we did, and it became quite popular. So we've actually opened it up for the general public as well. We run cookery courses all year long, and on uh, especially specific days in the brochure we have non-member courses and uh, we even run courses for men <laughs> first time ever men have been invited up into the ICA
0: The Cookery School made an appearance on television there a few years ago with John and Frances Brennan on their programme At Your Service
3: That was uh, several years ago actually yeah they changed up reception up there and it was actually the lecture theatre and um, they did a bit of work in there as well so um, that was quite nice. But beside the lecture theatre, we got a whole apartment and turned that into a new cookery school as well. So it was, and it was on the, um, there was an RT programme as well, a boot camp that brought young ladies up to learn life skills uh, in the ICA as well.
0: So It must be great to get that TV publicity.
3: TV3 were up with us filming um, in the morning show in the cookery school there about three or four months ago. And it is, it it does make a difference. Um, We filmed live in the kitchen and bookings do go up. Um, A lot of people don't realise that we're open to the public and that we do kids' courses, that we do adults' courses, that we do men-only courses. Um, So I suppose every little bit kind of helps.
0: (laughs) It sounds like there's very impressive facilities there for people to use.
3: It's a fantastic place. Um, There's a walled garden, there's fruit trees, there's a new restaurant after opening at the entrance at the Gate Café, there's six four bedroom bungalows that are available for rent, there's private tennis courts, you name it, we have it, there's a beach, a ten minute walk from the actual doors of Ongreenon, and Ongreenon actually means sunny place in Irish, so kind of like a little
0: haven definitely somewhere to put on the list of places to visit this summer by the signs of it
3: oh it's fantastic and it's lovely for families as well it's so close to new grange and dublin and everything that there's always kind of something to do even before class in the morning i'll take a walk down to the beach or i'll bring my kids up with me and my husband so we can actually get a little bit extra quality time in the four of us
0: Well, you are a busy lady, Janice. Fair play to you now for starting this initiative. That's the Primary School Food Education Week. It's the 6th to the 10th of April. If anybody wants to get involved, what's the best way to get in touch with you to to make that happen?
3: Uh, Through Twitter, at Food Primary, uh, or through my own Twitter, uh, Janice Casey Bracken. um, Most people are just sending in tweets I have the email address gone up as well. It's janice.casey.bracken at gmail.com. And people are just emailing in. Schools are emailing in. Chefs, producers, farmers are emailing in. And we're trying to get them all matched up together. So we actually have a food map as well. So when the initiative takes place, We have all of the schools, all of the chefs on our food map with all our red dots. So we're hoping to put red dots all over the country of Ireland and send it to the government and say, look, this is what we're doing. We have made the political parties aware of what we're doing. We haven't had a response back from any of them so far, which is very unfortunate. And we want to send it in and say, look, this is what we can do. We're all working. We all have children or, you know, we all have a connection. And this is what we're doing for free on our downtime why can't you guys listen and actually do it for your
0: real jobs? Well best of luck with it Janice and thanks so much for telling us about it this evening.
3: That's brilliant thank you so much for the opportunity You're listening to the best possible
1: taste with Sharon Noonan
0: Welcome back to The Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and just before the break we heard about the Primary School Food Education Week thanks to Janice Casey Bracken. Earlier on in the programme we heard the Sam Brose story with Gary. If you're just tuning in now you might want to catch The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM when it's repeated on Wednesday mornings at 8am. The podcasts are available to listen to on iTunes as well as the podcast app and it's also on my website sharonnoonan.com Now, our final guest this evening is no stranger to Best Possible Taste. And in fact, you've heard Janice Casey Bracken singing his praises just before the break. He's a chef, author, restaurateur and director of Food on the Edge, which takes place in October in Galway. His latest project, an Irish cookbook, has just been launched and he joins us on the phone now to tell us all about it.
1: Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up.
0: Delicious. Mmm jp you're very welcome to the program this evening i don't know where to start you've been up to so much but i'm going to start with the congratulations on the publishing of your irish cookbook so tell us a bit about the book and what was the inspiration for it or that might be a very obvious question
1: oh i I mean i suppose there's many places to look for um, inspiration i think um uh, over the last ten or fifteen years, Irish food is becoming stronger and more confident, and more interested in, this and not only in the present but in, in the past. And I suppose I was interested in trying to 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 look at that and to tr- try and see it afresh, particularly from what we've been doing in in the near for the last ten years, and looking at the products of Ireland, using them, and 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 how to get that information and then to reassess the. Uh, The past, our our past food, and to look at the 20th century and the 19th century, and then all the way back until the first settlers, and to to see, like, I suppose, to to look at our our own food culture and to to see what it was.
0: The book is made up of traditional dishes, um, recipes for new texts on Irish classics, and you're talking about the history of Irish food there. So, is there some like history learnings in it also?
1: Oh, absolutely! Like, and there's a there's a there's a large introduction that tries to cover most uh, major periods of, uh, of Irish history, from the first settlers ten thousand years ago to the first farmers to the Bronze Age settlements to all the way up until Vikings and Anglo Norman and the Tudors, and 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 just to give people a little insight into how the changed and and what were. Major foods and um, uh, what people what people would have eaten, and a lot of the recipes kind of grow out of different aspects of that. And of course, they're all, as you said, all the classics are in there, as as they'd have to be. But then there's also a lot of fish and shellfish, and I was very. Um, uh, conscious of trying to put in uh, seaweed and all the wild herbs we've been using over the last ten years, to, to just to give someone an insight into, I suppose, the volume of food that is in Ireland and 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 how it can be used.
0: And do you have to be an accomplished cook to use the recipes, or is it very diverse? So from the complete beginner up to somebody that is as good as yourself, maybe.
1: Oh, like yes, yeah, it's, it's a very. I mean, one of the, I suppose, the task we set ourselves when when we. Um, when 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 we had all the recipes which were about which I suppose numbered in about nine hundred and um we we picked the ones that were the most domestic friendly. So the ones that people could make in their houses. So that was a kind of uh one of the dividing lines between. So, I didn't want to put anything too complicated. So, a lot of the stuff that we that we um, do in an year that is more technical, we I left out or simplified. On that. And then, so I hope anyone who can who can cook or who or who can't cook will be able to just read through it. And some of the recipes are very um, are very simple, and um, and hopefully people will enjoy them.
0: You've had launches so far in Galway, London, and Dublin and it's um, a bestseller on amazon online so you must be thrilled with the response to it
1: yeah no absolutely it's still a bit like um still a bit surreal um so i don't like just to try and um, assess everything um, we were we just had the launch in, in dublin there, and um we uh, yeah there was many many uh, uh interest in um um uh, in the book and I was signing like fifty, two hundred copies in the book. So yeah, so it's still a little bit um, a little bit uh, uh, surreal for me because I'm not used to uh, I suppose uh, all that. So yeah, but it, I, I, I'm looking forward to it. And, um, uh, particularly we're off to the States um, next week and uh, I'm sure that will be uh, I think that the Irish Americans are more excited than the than the actual um uh, than the actual uh, the, the actual Irish.
0: Now, when you're not writing your cookbook, you're in the kitchen in in one of your restaurants. You have three there in Galway, Cava, Near and Tartar. And you have a lovely programme of events coming up now in Tartar Cafe and Wine Bar. Wine and Design, this sounds amazing. Tell us a bit about it.
1: Yeah, it was something. Man, my wife came up with it about just kind of trying to... Um, I was trying to bring the arts and uh, the arts community and the food community and the design community and the wine community together to, to talk about the different things that they do, and um, because a lot of us are doing the same things. I mean, we're we're making um, we're making nice things uh, in in different ways, and so the idea was to try and pair a designer or an artist. With uh, with the with the winemaker or a wine producer or a wine supplier, and and to talk about, I suppose that the two things, not necessarily to to join all the dots, but just to kind of put them in the same spaces. And as you know, it's always very strong on the um, on the arts, and so it was important to try and. Uh, to try and grow that you know and I think that uh, like, oh, Go has a great reputation for arts for so long and the, the food scene for me is still relatively new and it, it's important to try and fold those two things on top of each other.
0: So one of the events is where a photographer comes in and talks about their work and their inspiration and what it means to them and that's there's a wine tasting that goes hand in hand with that and then later on the year you have a tattoo artist and a beer tasting
1: yeah and so the diversity is key and last year we had uh, we had an architect and we had um um we had the head of Machnus who does the the street parades we had We had so many different people and, and I think it's really nice to take an expanded view of the arts and and uh, with i suppose our our main mission is to try and teach people about natural and organic environment which is a real craft. And um, and and the craft of winemaking is often forgotten because often it's made in in very large amounts. And I suppose our our aim is to try and look at the smaller aspects of it, and um, and uh, and just to 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 make people more familiar with it. Because I think again, organic organic wine is on the rise in Ireland. You can, but you can buy it in the supermarkets now, and so it's, it's a really nice thing to see that you know.
0: And then plans must be at a fairly advanced stage now for Food and the Age, which is on every year in October.
1: Yeah, we we nearly have all our speakers. I think we have about forty-seven. Which we're trying to, we're, we're really trying this year to keep it to fifty every year. We we go over fifty, and then some years we've ended up with sixty. And so I'm really doing my best to try and keep it to to fifty this year. And uh, we have forty-seven, and yeah, but we have some great uh, events. And we're also going to put in a slight consumer angle this year, where we're going to organise four or five dinners with the chefs around Galway in various locations and um, in, in restaurants in Galway, just to kind of give, to try and expand the idea out and also to give the chefs a little insight into who's cooking in Galway and, and just to create more of a community.
0: That sounds great. And you have co-curators this year?
1: Yes, I, I absolutely. Uh, we have Mark Best and Matt Orlando. Along with, uh, Selassie and, uh, and Arlene Stein. So, uh, for, yeah, it was, it, for me, the, the idea was to try and, um, was to try and create a little bit more freedom, uh, for, for other people. I mean, we, we always get lots and lots of nominations from all of the speakers, but the, the idea of a co-curator was to give a little bit of responsibility, uh, for them, uh, on the programming. So, so they can so they can put their stamp on it, and it's also for the for the event to grow outwards and to give it more of a foothold. Because Matt is based in Copenhagen, but he's American, and Mark West is is based in Australia. So it's it's uh it it's just creating more uh more um, I suppose more more grip for putting the edge around around the world.
0: And finally, JP, just to finish off this evening, we were talking earlier on the programme to Janice Casey-Bracken about the primary school food education week, which she was singing your praises and saying how great you are to support food education in schools and champion it and that you see a great need for it.
1: Oh, it's so important. And I saw that we evaluated it recently. It was unfortunate that food didn't, I suppose, get a more of a foothold because I mean at every evaluation whether it's every five or ten years we still don't um we still don't see the the seriousness of, of of food education and I mean kids are already learning how to program computers and my daughter's doing it in her school learning a little bit about computers and I think it's really important that I mean, if we can teach kids about computers, we really need to teach them about food. And and I'm not asking for, like, a full-on subject. It's like even if it was an hour or two a week, just so you could get some sort of sense of, well, this is food and and and, uh, this is where it comes from, this is how you cook it. And it could be as simple as boiling an egg or making an omelette or... Like, are making pastes. Very, very simple things. But I really think food is is a key to our own sovereignty uh, as as people. And, and if we can't cook for ourselves, then we're 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 stuck in the realm of like ultra processed foods and ready meals. And then that that causes a whole lot of problems that we can see all over the world. And we're kind of all almost avoiding the problem by by, by putting calories on menus or or, or various other things. Like, I mean, we need to get to the root of it. And really what we're doing is just skimming the surface.
0: Having spoken to Janice earlier on in the programme, you have to admire her and people like her and yourself and Jacinta Dalton that are out there every day championing the food education side of things because it is very important. And of course, your book then, just to, to finish up now, the Irish cookbook is... I suppose, a prime example of how many recipes there are out there, how many dishes, like you mentioned, 900 dishes and you had to narrow it down, which I think some people would just find unbelievable. But there is so much versatility there with the wonderful Irish ingredients that we have.
1: Yeah, and and for me, like... It was it was about imagining like uh, imagining dishes as well like, I mean of course a lot of dishes are are, are, are made and produced and, but for me it was it, it was particularly going back to the the prehistoric and the early um early uh, settlers like I mean there was an abundance of, of oysters and game and seaweed and all these things and so I think we have to assume that people were eating them and then you have to create recipes based on them to inspire people to uh, to 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 create further recipes and to go further so for me it's uh, there, there's plenty there and i've started to compile that the a lot of the fish the fish recipes i had left over and to, to try and create a, a little irish fish cookbook and uh, hopefully that will uh, that will get the green light so that's my next project anyway
0: fantastic well that's the irish cookbook by jp mcmahon available in all good bookshops and online congratulations again jp and best of luck with the, the launch in america
1: Thanks
0: so much, Sharon. Cheers. Chin Chin.
1: Salut. Schleiter.
0: Congratulations again to JP. And before we finish up tonight, a shout out to International Women's Day, which is on this Sunday, the 8th of March. This year, the theme is Each for Equal, and there's lots of events taking place around West Limerick and beyond. But just to let you know that John Edward Joyce is hosting his annual dinner at the Mustard Seed in Ballingarry in collaboration with Listowel Writers Week and the Fawns Flying Boats and Maritime Museum. Lots of lovely treats for all the ladies there. Check out mustardseed.ie And I've received a very important message to ask you, County Limerick, are you ready to crumble with the Great Irish Beck for Temple Street? On April 3rd, the Great Irish Beck for Temple Street will return once again to raise funds for their little patience. And if you register by the 13th of March, you'll be in with a chance to win an exclusive hamper containing all your begging essentials. Register now online at templestreet.ie forward slash great irish beck and that brings us to the end of tonight's show thanks for listening and to my guests gary Hune, janice casey bracken and jp mcmahon i look forward to talking to you again next week in the meantime bon appetit
1: thanks for listening to the best possible taste with sharon Noonan. To get in touch with the best possible taste, email Sharon at SharonNoonan.com or tweet Sharon at Queen of Org, as in Queen of Organisation. Bon Appetit!